Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Word of God for our meditation this evening is found in the Old Testament book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 29, verses 13 to 24. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, Who sees us? Who will know? You turn things upside down, as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, He did not make me. Can the pot say of the potter, He knows nothing. In a very short time, Will not Lebanon be turned into a fertile field, and the fertile field seem like a forest? In that day the deaf will hear the words of the scroll, and out of gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind will see. Once more the humble will rejoice in the Lord, the needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. The ruthless will vanish, the mockers will disappear, and all who have an eye for evil will be cut down. Those who with a word make a man out to be guilty, who ensnare the defender in court, and with false testimony deprive the innocent of justice. Therefore this is what the Lord, who redeemed Abraham, says to the house of Jacob. No longer will Jacob be ashamed. No longer will their faces grow pale when they see among them their children, the work of my hands. They will keep my name holy. They will acknowledge the holiness of the Holy One of Jacob, will stand in awe of the God of Israel. Those who are wayward in spirit will gain understanding. Those who complain will accept instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Dear friends in Christ, in that reading from Isaiah 29, the prophet gives us both a pretty good definition of injustice and a description of it. The definition is in verse 16, which he addresses those who do their work in opposition to the Lord, thinking they can hide it from the Lord. And he says, you turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Turning things upside down tells us well what injustice is. Now, we normally think of injustice in terms of what is unfair or morally wrong or just not right. But this actually gives us a more objective and authoritative idea of what we're talking about. Injustice is people acting as though they get to make the rules and make determinations about others' lives based on their own ideas and desires, pretending there is no God to observe or judge them and that there are no standards that he has already provided to guide our dealings with him and with each other. Turning things upside down 
is what the unjust do when they call the innocent guilty and the guilty innocent. When they change right to wrong and wrong to right. When they identify male as female and female as male. And whenever they take the standards, definitions, and truths God has given us, whether written in Scripture or written in everyone's hearts, and they presume to rewrite them to allow whatever it is they happen to want on any particular day. We can certainly think of of many examples today of, of such turning things upside down, but it is not a new thing. We see a vivid example of it already in the fourth chapter of Genesis, in the very first family. Cain assumes the authority to take another's life and murders his brother out of anger and jealousy, but thinks that somehow his rewriting of the moral code will escape God's notice. It doesn't. And of course, we can go to just about any time in history and just about any culture, and we will find injustice. Not just crimes committed against morality, but also courts and officials bending and breaking God's rules of what is right, perverting justice and making the innocent suffer for reasons both big and small, but all wrong. And yet, there is no greater injustice and no more outrageous turning things upside down than what we witness in our passion history, as we read last week and again this week, in which we we see the leaders of the Jews who, let us remember, should have welcomed Jesus as God's servant and recognized Him as their Messiah. We see them instead doing everything they can to cast His righteousness as sin, His miracles as works of the devil, God's grace as evil, and His true testimony about His identity as lies and blasphemy. Their clear and stated goal was His death. And they did not care that convicting and crucifying Him was an offense against not only God's laws, but man's morality. They had an eye for evil. And they showed themselves to be those who with a word make a man out to be guilty, who ensnare the defender in court and with false testimony deprive the innocent of justice. That is the description of injustice that this text gives us in verses 20 and 21. And it sums up quite well exactly what happened to Jesus from the time that the mob took him in Gethsemane to the moment he was delivered to Pilate's soldiers for crucifixion. Just in the section of the Passion history that we read this evening, we see how the Sanhedrin, along with the other leaders in the plot against Christ, are careful to wait until morning 
in order to officially decide to hand him over to the Romans to be killed because Jewish law required that such pronouncements be made in the daytime. Never mind that they had already turned everything upside down with the entire nighttime trial that was the basis for their decision, which was contrary to both the law and any sense of justice, God's or man's. And, of course, having ensnared Jesus in their court, they furthered their injustice by binding, leading away, and handing over to Pilate a perfectly blameless man who was absolutely undeserving of any ill treatment, let alone death. Innocent Jesus suffers further injustice before Pilate, He tells the truth about who he is, the king of the Jews, but is still condemned. And while he is blameless, still Barabbas, a true rebel and criminal, deserving of death, is released. When Pilate asks the crowd what Jesus has done that that he should be crucified, they, they make no appeal to justice because they can give no just reason. They simply cry out louder, crucify him. Justice is what they want to deprive Jesus of, and they succeed because weak-willed Pilate cares only about satisfying the mob. And even though he has found no cause for Christ's crucifixion, and even though he knows that it is only out of envy that Christ has been handed over to him, still Pilate sends Jesus to be flogged and then to carry his cross to Calvary where he will be nailed, abused, and mocked, and slowly be drained of blood, breath, and life. And in spite of this unprecedented, creator-defying, potter-insulting, world-record injustice in which the sinless Son of God is killed to satisfy the power lusts and selfish fears of sinful men, in spite of it all, Jesus carries on and allows himself to be carried away for us. He does not slip unnoticed from their grasp, as he once did when the people of his hometown, Nazareth, sought to throw him from a cliff. He instead allows himself to be bound challenged, tried, flogged, crucified, and mocked. And he dies just as his enemies intended. Jesus makes no demands, displays no power, and utters no threats. He remains resolute and firm, steadfast, despite this injustice. Despite the death that awaits him, despite the pain and the trouble and the suffering, all because he knows it is all necessary to fulfill his mission of saving sinners.
And he continues steadfast also because he knows how it all turns out. Even after the unjust turned everything upside down. And that, that is what most of our reading tonight from Isaiah describes for us. The end of both the unjust and all injustice. And both the redemption of the oppressed and the vindication of the innocent. The people who honor God only with their lips, but not their hearts, will be astounded as his wonders and wisdom destroy their own ideas of wisdom and intelligence. Those who presume to hide their plans in the dark and keep God ignorant will be shocked by how much he really knows. And the ruthless will vanish. The mockers will disappear, and all who have an eye for evil will be cut down. The wicked seemed to triumph as Jesus died on the cross. But since it was all part of God's plan to end evil by defeating sin and Satan, the cross was actually their loss. And Christ's Easter morning resurrection secured his victory over them all, even death and the grave. And that victory was not his alone. He also shares it with all who put their trust in him, with all who belong to the Lord through faith. The baptized, the believers, the true Israel and house of Jacob. Isaiah here piles up the imagery of of wonders and healings and joy and restoration to tell us that in Christ and the end of injustice that His sacrifice achieved, in Him, in that, our sins and our shame are removed from us forever. Our joy and our thanksgiving will never end Our awe and worship of the Holy One of Jacob, the Lord, the God of free and faithful grace, that will ever inspire us. And all our ignorance will be replaced with understanding and bliss in His presence. It really is a great and wonderful, even delicious irony. Christ's enemies set out to do him injustice, but by doing so, they played their part in making him the undoer of all injustice. Knowing this and trusting this, we have a faith and confidence that allows us to spiritually spite the unjust people we encounter in our lives and any unfairness that might afflict us. We know how it all ends. And it ends with justice for all God's people, for eternity, for good. Amen. And the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, 
will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen.